another episode of the Lore Entertainment Podcast. And boy, do we have a show for you today. Of course, it goes without saying, which is why I'm going to say it. You know him from Hercules and Andromeda, and I know him from Psych, and I hope we get a chance to talk about that. Uh, the one, the only actor, writer, director, Kevin Sorbo. Thank you for being on the show today. My pleasure. Good to be here. All right. Well, we, we let's get right into this. I know time is precious. You, well, let's start off with Miracle in East Texas. You've got sure. a brand new movie. It's coming out end of the month, Fathom Events, October 29 and 30. We do have a, a trailer. We'll put that in in post so we can make sure we get the most time with you here. Tell us about Miracle in East Texas. How did it come on your radar? And you also directed too. So yep. talk a little bit about taking on the, the task of making this picture and then and then getting it out. Well, it's a true story, which I, and I love true stories. And uh, it's set in 1930. Um, Dan Gordon's a dear friend of ours. Dan Gordon is the writer of this wonderful movie. He wrote uh, Hurricane for Denzel Washington. Mm. Denzel won his Oscar. Don, Dan was nominated for original script. He wrote White Earp, Kevin Costner. He wrote 60 episodes of Highway to Heaven for Michael Landis TV series. Fantastic writer. Yeah. He brought it to me. I fell in love with it. Originally, he wrote the script many years ago for um, Robert Redford and Paul Newman. And, uh, and scheduling and all the stuff back and forth, uh, just it just never really happened. And uh, they both they both felt after doing Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid and the Sting that uh, they just kind of wanted to leave it at that. They just had two big hits with that. And they just want, they didn't want to. I don't know. They just didn't want to jump back in that again as a team again. So um, they brought it to me. I I fell in love with the script right away. Um, it's about two con men that went through Oklahoma and Texas in 1930. This is right in the heart of the depression. They went through. Yeah. Uh, during that time, and they would woo widows out of their money on fake oil wells. They would sell 500% of the shares. As you know, you can only have 100% anything. So <laughs> they were really big con artists. And yeah. and by the time we got to Kilgore, Texas, they strike oil totally by accident. Um, the yeah. character I played, um, he wanted out. He wanted out. And he said, let's get out of here. before We can't bring this oil in. Let's just cap it and get out of here. Well, the, John Ratzenberger's char character um, wanted to bring it in. He said, look, I'm an oil man. I've always wanted to bring it on. I said, dude, we're going to get arrested. And he was like, no, they'll never arrest us because we're going to make it very rich for everybody in this area. Well, of course we get arrested and all the widows come down for the trial, but there's more to the title than Miracle in East Texas. It's not giving it away that they strike oil. What gives away, what, what I'm not going to give away is what happens post oil strike, what happens to them and the miracles that happen in their lives as well. It's when 10 film festivals, best, best romantic comedy, Best um, faith-based movie, best judges, audience favorite. It's a PG-rated movie. I love the fact that they can't pigeonhole this movie in any one category because yeah. it covers a lot of categories, but it's a wonderful, wonderful uh, movie. And I just showed it to um, 400 oil people, oil men in Oklahoma City, oil men and women, and they absolutely loved it. And it opens, like you said, you know, it opens for two two days only. We need to fill theaters now. Go to SorboStudios.com, Sorbo studios.com sign up gear tickets now fathom events are great for independent movies like ours and the indie, the indie world but we don't have a hundred million dollar budget like they do to put out avatar and right. you know avengers and all that so we need people to support these movies and um i, I get stopped all the time and you mentioned hercules earlier also my series andromeda people stop me now from my movies like soul surfer god's not dead what if right. let's be like they want more movies like that this is the movie there you go right there there's a the little miniature. Actually, there's the bigger poster side. Yeah, right that's your backdrop. Yeah, <laughs> there's a there, there's a poster for it right there. It's a wonderful movie, and um, I hope people will check it out. And uh, I, I, October 29th is when it first comes out. So this is Texas. 
very flat. I just believe the hand of Providence has been guiding our every step. We're going to hit oil right here on your plate. While they weren't much good at actually finding or drilling for oil, they both possessed an unusual facility for convincing people that they could do just that. Oil! I've never felt it so strong in all my life! Widows were the mother's milk of the petroleum hustle. Love is not time's fool. And now that they had a well, it was time to hit every widow they could find in a three-county radius. It's well. We can't bring it in. We've already sold close to 500%. Yeah, so? You can only have 100% of anything. I just wanted to be square with you because I care for you, ma'am. Give you back the $1,000 I took. That you swindled from other widows. I don't want you here. I want you out of my house. We got to take what we got and get as far away from Texas as we can get. You want me to walk away from it? We're crooks. We've conned all those old ladies. Yeah, we conned those old ladies because that's what we do. I'm an oil man. Praise Jesus in all his glory. Lotharios. He's talking about you. True hand to God miracle is what it is. That's the gospel truth. Leave the rest up to Jesus! God's own bounty. Oil. Black gold. Amen. Amen. Well, looking at the poster, though, you've got a great cast in the film. John Ratzenberger, uh, Louis Gossett Jr., Tyler Mayne, your few actors from the Sorbo House as well. Uh, right. Gwyneth Walsh. Talk about working with, with that cast. I mean, you know, we, ha we have a lot of cinephiles that, that watch this podcast and, and mm -hmm. then also up-and-coming filmmakers. And so everybody has their ideas of what actually happens. And, of course, you know what actually happens. But you get a cast like that. These are not, these are not lightweights. These, these are people who know what they're doing. Rumors are sometimes you get prima donnas, other times you get people that are as generous as could be. What was it like putting this cast together and working with them during production? Well, it was great. Not only this this cast here, but the the, the other cast that's not on this poster that we we found up and we shot up in Canada, up in Calgary, and uh, we found some amazing local actors there that bring so much uh, light and, and and laughter and. Uh, uh, gravitas to this movie. Uh, Lou, Lou and I have known each other a long time and we wanted to work together for a long time. And I, I finally found the script and he came in and he's really, he's really the narrator of the movie, but he opens up the movie because he is the guy that's playing this little eight year old boy that witnessed thing happen. This, ha this happened back in that day. And um, we had Lou for a couple of days and he was great. And we met through the Comic-Con worlds, believe it or not. And uh, the same thing along. Well, John Ratzenberger, I've met a number of social situations through the years. And John and I did a movie back in 2010 with Dallas Jenkins. He's doing a pretty big thing called The Chosen right now. Mm -hmm. And Dallas directed me and Dallas and, and my my first really faith-based movie called What If. I've shot over 80 movies. I know people are fans of God's Not Dead. This is the same writers that I did a movie with called What If earlier. What If in my book? Much better movie than God's Not Dead. And see, that's the problem. Really? Yeah, it's a problem with independent movies. How do you get them out there when you don't have that big advertising budget? We need word of mouth. God's Not Dead just got that huge word of mouth. What if? Much better movie. And John's in that and Christy Swanson's in that movie with me as well. Uh, we'll come back. We'll underline Miracle in East Texas again at the end of our conversation. I want to move forward just a little bit here. You talk about getting the word out. Well, you are infamous if i may quote uh, martin short from three amigos you are infamous for being canceled by hollywood 
And it's hard to get your word out when Hollywood says, we don't want your word at all. Uh, you know, you've, t- and, but you've continued to take more faith-based films, Christian films. You've, uh, what, what is the greatest contrast you think between the independent and faith-based? I know those can be two separate things, but then the traditional Hollywood stories and how has, or how did, or how has getting canceled affected how you choose the, the projects you work on? Well, you know, I got, I got, I, I feel I'm the original cancel culture victim in Hollywood over, over yeah. 12 years ago. My manager and agent said, we can't work with you anymore because of your uh, being a Christian and being more, even worse, being a conservative in Hollywood. There's a lot yeah. of conservatives in Hollywood, but I'm just more open about it. And I'm not, I don't fill up with anger like the liberals do. There's so much anger on the left. There's so much hatred from them, you know, and mm-hmm. divisiveness. I'm a, I'm a live and let live kind of guy. To me, I was shocked. I said, okay, fine. Um, you're the ones who scream for tolerance, who scream for freedom of speech. But as we know, it's a one-way street with these guys. Um, I love the industry. I formed SorboStudios.com and started doing my own thing. And other independent uh, you know, um, production companies got a hold of me. So uh, all, all these movies I mentioned earlier aren't my movies. A lot of them I'm just coming in as an actor, sometimes act and producer. But, um, you know, it, it's weird. I do movies that Hollywood used to do. You know, they, they have such a weird agenda now and everything's about visual effects. And I mean, you know, I enjoy Avengers movie, too. But when when it's just you sort of walk out after a roller coaster ride and go, that was a lot of fun. But, right. um, you know, the messages they're putting out there are not really with mine. And uh, every every movie is a faith based movie. If you're an atheist, that's a very strong faith to believe in absolutely mm-hmm. nothing. Pretty incredible. I mean, that's a strong faith. So I don't like faith based saying that from the movies I do, I, I call them family friendly movies, sure. uh, movies that have love and hope and hopefully there's a redemption in there and a little laughter and things that Hollywood used to do. I mean, Disney's looking at over a billion dollar losses here, a mm-hmm. billion, over a billion dollars. That's not a good way to run your business because people are tired of this woke agenda. They're just sick and tired of it. People just want to be entertained. Tom Cruise gets it with the movies he does. Mm-hmm. I totally gets it. I don't know where he's a Scientologist or something like that. I don't understand that, whatever that is anyway, but the guy doesn't force any of that down on anybody's throats. He goes out there and just does really entertaining movies, whether it's Mission Impossible movies or Top Gun or whatever it may be. And they always are successful. So I appreciate what a guy like Tom does in the big budget world, because, um, you know, he's, he's he's not as outspoken as I am, but he's certainly outspoken in the individual. But he just goes out there and just wants to make entertainment for people. And that, I think that's fantastic. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to do the movies that I fell in love with, but Hollywood used to do. So right. I'm doing more and more of, the, more of those myself. Before we move on to the next section, I want to make sure you've also got children's book, Test of Lionhood, uh, out through Brave Books, bravebooks.com. Talk a little bit about the book and why you wrote Test of Lionhood. There it is. There it is, Test of Lionhood, right there. Go to bravebooks.com. You 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 can get a free signed copy of my book at Brave Books, and then you got to join for a year, and you get a new book every single month through Brave Books. They're fantastic people. They're amazing people. And hold on. (laughs) Comedian <laughs> J.P. Sears, a buddy of mine, his just came out this month, so I'm going to give him chomp, chomp, chomp a little run, too. There you, but, go. Um, you know, they came to me because I started saying, I'm tired of the sheep being the sheep. I'm tired of the mass, you know, the silent majority being silent. Mm-hmm. Well, how, how much worse does it have to get in our country, economically, politically, whatever, for people to wake up? Look at the crimes in all the major cities. Look what's going on out there, guys. Mm-hmm. So I said, we need people to wake up and not be afraid to fight back. And it doesn't be a physical fight back. Just having your voice be heard. Don't yeah. be afraid. Uh, you know, the press has done such a great job of of really silencing the majority. I mean, 95 percent of the press is liberal, far left, progressive, whatever you want to call it. And they go out there and just attack anybody who has 
a different ideological point of view from theirs. Mm-hmm. And I said, this is absolutely ridiculous what's going on in our country right now. And what, how, how bad is that to be with looting going on in stores? When oh, man. Look at all the targets that are closed down. Look at all the businesses moving out of California with their crazy politics mm-hmm. and out of, out of Oregon and Washington State. I mean, people need to be lions. I'm, saying, I'm here to wake up the lions. I'm getting attacked by the, you know, by the alphabet crowd now saying I'm anti-trans and homophobic and all this. And I laugh at that because I've been in the business 40 years. Every set I've been on, whether it's a movie or TV show, there's a, there's gay people. Mm-hmm. You won't find one that says he was horrible to me. He was so mean they, you won't find one, but they have, they have their narrative and they have their catchphrases and they just stick with it. This book has nothing to do, nothing to do with bashing any group. It's mm-hmm. a story about a line cub that he's a young, you know, he's a nine year old kid and his little sister gets cut by a plant when they're out in the woods near the mountains. He knows he doesn't have time to get back to his to his home because his father taught him everything about the good and the bads mm. and the dangers that are out there as well. He's got to get past his, his insecurities, his, his fear, and he's got to run up that mountain to get that one plant, that one flower that his father told him about that can save his little sister's life. Cause he doesn't have time to get back to his parents or she's going to die. It's just really about finding your own, um, your own bravery. And it's kind of like mm. letting boys grow up to be men and be strong men and strong fathers. Yeah. That's all it about. This isn't anti anything. It's pro child. It's yeah. pro child. That's all it is. Well, that's something we definitely need to be in this country. There's so much that is not pro child. So appreciate your, uh, your work on that. All right. Uh, let's get to, we got a few minutes left. Sure. I want to get to some Facebook questions here. We, we polled our audience and, and look for questions or many of them. Uh-oh. I know. Right. <laughs> so, and I'm going to start because I have the privilege and the honor of hosting the show. I'm going to start with mine because that's how I roll. Uh, but uh, I, so I was, I was binge watching an old show from the late eighties, early nineties on the weekend. And I came up, I hopefully this will show up for you as well. I came upon this thumbnail. Do you recognize that individual right there? And can you tell me what you were doing? Yeah, I believe that was in uh, murder. She wrote, I think you are close. That's the commish. Is that the commish? That's the commish. Okay. I shot, you know what? I shot both of those at the same time. I shot okay. them both in, in 1992, the year before I got Hercules. And uh, we shot them. Here's interesting because yeah. I did my fi- I, did, I, I had seven auditions they brought me in for on Hercules. And it was, they, they auditioned 2,800 actors, I was told, in North America for the role of Hercules. I got down to the final three um, about. Three days before I even shot this scene, I was in L.A. doing the final audition. And I told him, look, I got to fly to Vancouver to do Michael Chiklis' series, The Commish. So I go up there and I do the show. And while we're filming the show, my manager called up and said I got the role of Hercules. So that's that's so that's that's happening right there while you're filming that scene. huh? Yep. Yeah. Pretty funny. Right on. Okay, let's see. Uh, I think I've got a next one here. Oh, yeah. This is my favorite. This is your bounty hunter on psych. how do, do you just get like, does your agent or, or whoever your friend say, Hey, I, we got a guest spot on site. Just go and do it. And then was it a simple in and out or what was it like working with, with those guys? Well, this, you know, you know, by hit by now I had seven years on Hercules, which season three became the most watched show in the world. And I had five right. seasons on Andromeda, uh, which was the number one show in America and first run syndication. And that was in 150 countries around the world. So this is about a year after Hercules was done. And about the time I started doing more independent movies. And, um, so, uh, hold on, I get it, Russ. And so, um, they, uh, 
They called me up and say, Hey, we got a great role of bounty hunter. I went up there and did it. It was great for me. They shot this up in Vancouver as well. Mm-hmm. They had half of my crew from Andromeda. So it was like going back home for me in a way, you know, working with a lot of my old camera guys and, you know, yeah. visual effects guys and stuff. And they called me back about three more times. They wanted me to re- reprise the role. Cause what was great about psych is if they like certain characters, they would bring them back to do more than just one episode. But every right. time they called me, I was shooting a movie. I've been shooting oh. about I've been shooting about four movies a year for the last 20 years. So I've been very busy. Um, and it's hard to believe Andromeda finished in 2005. So that's 18 years ago already. I, that's, that's something. Just, that's just scary to me. Isn't and uh, so I wouldn't, uh, you know, I would love to go on back and do those other episodes. Those guys were great. It was a very fun set to work on. Uh, I didn't say if there was egos on the set. I didn't see it. I saw everybody just having a really good time. And Corbin Burnson was playing the father on that show. And he and I have done a couple movies together since. So mm-hmm. um, Corbin's Corbin's a great guy. In fact, Corbin and I were in a movie um, that I directed that was out in theaters earlier this year, in January, February called Left Behind Rise of the Antichrist based on the 80 million best-selling books Left Behind. So yeah, that's I right. hope people get a chance to see that movie as well. All right, let's do one more fun one. This question, or uh, I got time for maybe a couple more. This question comes from Chris Seagroves. He wants to know who would win Captain Dylan Hunt with all his gear and crew or Hercules? Well, Captain Dylan's uh, ship is pretty badass, I got to say. Because, <laughs> um, you know, look, I'm a big fan of the original Star Trek series. Big fan. Okay. Growing up, I watched all the reruns and stuff in the, in the 70s and uh, into the 80s when I was in college and everything. And we'd watch. We'd watch Twilight Zone at ten or ten thirty, and eleven o'clock was at night was uh, was Star Trek. And I also had a group of us guys in my dorm. We'd all hang out and watch it. But um, when Major Ronbray called me in the final season of Hercules and said, "I got a show my husband wrote back in 1969, and if he were still alive, I think he's the one that would want you to be the second captain he ever created after Captain Kirk." So wow. it's Captain Kirk and then Captain Dylan Hunt. And I was like, boom, I'm in. And it was just awesome to be part of that. And we had a nice five-year run. Would have gone two more years, but the company, the Tribune company that owned us went into bankruptcy. They had to freeze all our assets. And we were doing great for them. We were the number one show in first-run syndication. So yeah. for me as a fan and the fans out there, I'm sorry. We should have had 44 more episodes of that series. But uh, I think Hercules would win hand-to-hand. But uh, Captain Kirk and a ship in his uh, force lands, I think I don't think Hercules would stand a chance. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. All right. Uh, let's see. I got two minutes left. Uh, this will be hard for you to answer in that amount of time, but let's see, uh, with your Christian faith, your, your worldview, how do you go about choosing roles? Especially if, is there a separation? Like when a role, when, when a role might be in conflict with, with your faith or with your worldview, do you still yeah. take that role or how do you, no, how that, do you work through that? that? That's easy. I mean, for me, um, whether it's a Christian or not, there's, I, I think there's a, a moral compass that we all have and we all decide mm-hmm. we want to plan or not. There are, there are roles I wouldn't do. And, you know, but there, yeah. I, I, look, I did a zombie movie last year that's coming out next year. I did, I, I did a, uh, I played a 700 year old vampire in another one. Um, I did a movie, um, that I played a serial killer that won the Austin film festival back. in I don't know when that was 20, 2010 or 11 or something like that called Julia X. But it, the, the character was interesting to me. Yeah. So I don't, I'm not like a holier than thou guy, you know, I'm not, yeah. I'm not a prudent anyway. I mean, I'll go see a good R rated movie. If it's, if it's, if it's got violence, it's got violence. I, I, I think that I can handle it. But uh, um, to me, it's, it's really comes down to when I read a script, I read the two first 20 pages. And if I like the script and like the role, and, uh, you know, I got the time to do it. I'll do it. I mean, I've got three more movies lined up for this short year already. I'm crazy doing mm. 
a lot of publicity on this in the book, this movie in the book. But um, I've got a Christmas movie coming up, which is obviously a nice family movie. But um, I've, I'm playing a doctor in another one. It's just a true story based on a woman that st- had stage four cancer. And I was trying to talk her out of having the child she had. I said, you, got, you don't understand that this child, the, the hormones from your pregnancy are going to accelerate the growth of the cancer. But yeah. her faith wanted to have a baby and the baby was actually born before she died. A great touching story. Um, you know, I, I do stories that maybe make people think and make them uh, have a good conversation about it afterwards, maybe a character they can relate to. Um, but you know, I like to mix it up. I'm not, I'm not, I, I don't, I don't go around saying I'm, I'm the most perfect person. I'm, I'm hardly that. I think uh, people have the wrong idea. People ha- that are, that are, if they're Christians, that they think they're better than anybody else. I know I'm not, I'm, I'm just grateful for the life and the career I've had. Uh, Kevin Sorbo, we are right up on it. I know you got to run uh, real quickly. Sorbostudios.com. Uh, check out Miracle in East Texas. Again, opening the Fathom Events, October 29th. Is there any place else people can catch up with you if they want to uh, follow you and your uh, your work or social media exploits? You know, the best, definitely go to Twitter. I, I got banned from Facebook two and a half years ago for posting the truth about COVID. <laughs> Yeah, they, they said it's misinformation. Everything I said now has obviously been proven true, but they still won't yeah. let me back on because Zuckerberg's a complete pussy. So <laughs> after, after after Musk does his cage match with him, I'm happy to do one with him too. Um, there you go. So so no, but I mean it's just so stupid. I mean all you do is you post the truth. Now it's you know the truth is kryptonite to the people that now it's it's crazy to me what we're doing to the world. But um, yeah. go to so follow me at K Sorbs. Oh, my buddies call me Sorbs. So K Sorbs on Twitter. Um, I still got, I got about 1.8 million or more followers there, but I lost over 2 million followers on Facebook, but Sorbo Studios has all the information. Go on to SorboStudios.com. It's my wife's website along with mine. She's a home educator. We're homeschool advocates. Um, you, you can go, go to the Miracle East Texas link, click it, put in your zip code, tells you what theaters near you. Please go buy 10 tickets, to send it to 10 people to tell them to send 10 tickets. We need to fill these theaters up. SorboStudios.com and go to BraveBooks.com as well. All right. Kevin Sorbo, thanks again for your time to be on the show today. And we know you got to go. So that's going to be all for us. This has been the Lore Entertainment Podcast. Thanks for sticking around and watching the show. We'll see you next time. Adios.